0: You know, before I pray and begin in our study, I think that's a point I want to make. I'm not absolutely not encouraging any kind of civil disobedience or rebellion against the orders that have been put in place, but uh, you know, the hour that we're in and the time that we're in, uh, our neighbors need to hear the gospel message. The world needs the gospel message, and we're being told to stay away uh, from one another. So capitalize on the opportunities and uh, share the gospel and share the love of Christ with anyone that you can. Uh, So let's pray, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to begin in Mark chapter 13 this morning. So let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Father, I thank you that we're able to be together and Lord, I pray that we would each have our hearts open to you, that your Holy Spirit would minister to us, that we would hear your voice and be led by your spirit and your will. Uh, open our understanding to what we have to read this morning. Protect our hearts against the fear and the lies that are in our culture and around the world right now. That we would have the truth guiding us and we would experience your peace. Help us to be ministers of your good news. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, all of that said, uh, I would encourage you. Uh, I was here a um, little more than a half hour ago. Uh, Ken Graves finished uh, his sermon online from Calvary Chapel, Bangor, and just a really great uh, message uh, about prophecy and things that are going on in the world. I'm going to touch on some of those points for our fellowship and anyone uh, that's uh, listening uh, this morning, watching uh, perhaps later the recording. But uh, Calvary Chapel, Bangor, Ken Graves, uh, the message uh, from this morning, uh, the 5th. uh, If you get an opportunity to watch that, uh, I'm sure that you'll be blessed. So again, if you have your Bible, we're going to begin in Mark chapter 13. I'm going to skim through... A number of things, because it's really uh, verses 32 uh, through 37 that I want to kick things off with this morning, sort of topical study uh, today being Palm Sunday. Uh, There are just a number of things to examine, Uh, the uh, nation of Israel uh, welcomed Jesus into the city of Jerusalem declaring him to be the Messiah and they cut down the palm branches and laid them in the street and took off their uh, coats and laid them down and allowed him and the donkey that he was riding on to walk over them hailing him as their king and uh, as their leader and as their Messiah so the celebration of Jesus as the Prince and the King and the Messiah of Israel is celebrated by the church today in honor. Uh, It's uh, referred to as Palm Sunday per the palms that they cut down and laid in the streets. All of that in preparation for Resurrection Sunday for the church uh, next week. Interesting that uh, we're at this time and uh, the nation of Israel is locked in their houses, quarantined uh, from the death of a coronavirus, which is outside uh, as they are celebrating, preparing. In three days, they'll begin to celebrate Passover uh, as they are preparing for Passover. Uh, I'm reminded of the nation of Israel in the book of Exodus as they were preparing and watching and waiting for their deliverance. Uh, to come through Moses. Uh, they were in their homes and they uh, had to have the blood of the lamb clearly marking uh, their dwelling places. And they, in those homes, were consuming the lamb of the Passover in wait uh, for their deliverance. So, as you're locked in your home or, you know, confined to uh, your residence, uh, consume the word of God, consume the bread of life, and wait. In expectation for uh, Jesus and his deliverance. Uh, all of that to say we don't know the hour of the day and things may change and our message needs to continue. Uh, we don't want to discredit ourselves with the hysteria that we see going on around us. Uh, there are a number of people who are saying this is it, this is the end, the rapture is going to occur and uh, it may well could Uh, But uh, what I want to dwell on here in Mark, particularly, no one knows the hour nor the day. So beginning at the beginning of the chapter, Mark chapter 13, it says, Then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what building are these? They were remarking on the beauty of, of the temple and jesus answered and said to him do you see these great buildings not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down so the temple and the temple mount were especially ornate at the time Uh, all white polished marble surrounded by those pillars of the colonnade all the way around. uh, Everything on the temple overlaid with gold reflecting the sun, Uh, the historians record that commonly as people would come into Israel and look up there in Jerusalem towards the Temple Mount, they would at first glance mistake the summit of uh, the mountain as being a snow-capped mountain because of the white marble and uh, the reflection of of the sun off the gold of the temple. So very, very beautiful in its appearance and majestic in uh, its construction. Huge, massive stones as part of the retaining wall and uh, the temple grounds themselves. So just a daunting feature in the landscape that caused people to wonder. Jesus saying, yes, very beautiful, but this place is going to be destroyed. So A very famous uh, prophecy on the part of Jesus in the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, uh, this question and the answers that follow are referred to as the Olivet Discourse. And we see many things in the Olivet Discourse that uh, are occurring uh, today that uh, are happening around us. And I just want to touch on some of what's in this chapter, and then we're going to take a trip through the scripture and examine many uh, passages, a a handful anyway, this morning, uh, so you might want to get your, your pen and your paper ready and just uh, write down some of these references and really do your research, do your homework, and uh, know and understand uh, the things that are here. So uh, I want to move through this uh, at verse 3, uh, now as he sat in the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, telling, uh, saying, tell us. When will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Now, it says in 5, Jesus answered them uh, and began to say, and before we move into that, um, uh, there were three questions asked. Uh, in Matthew chapter 24, we get that full description. Here, uh, um, the book of Mark is recording for us uh, that they ask these two questions, you know, uh, what will be the sign of all these things uh, to be fulfilled, and when will these things be? So, the signs, and when will these things be? In Matthew, uh, what will be the sign of your uh, coming? When will these things be fulfilled, and when is the end of the age? So, when uh, certain people read Matthew chapter 24 and 25, uh, they try to make that all one answer, and it's not. Uh, it is Jesus answering those three questions, and so there are many detailed answers there. Um, that would take many studies in the Scripture for us to understand uh, with an accuracy. So, uh, for the discussion this morning, we're doing a different thing. We're we're talking about our current events. The, the COVID virus and how it's affecting the world and certain prophecies uh, that we see uh, being fulfilled, the precursor to others being fulfilled uh, around us, uh, sort of the setting of the stage uh, that's going on. So we're going to dwell on those uh, current topics uh, through the lens of the scripture. We're not going to tear apart Mark chapter 13 or Matthew chapters 24 and 25. So uh, he said, uh, you know, answering, he began to say, take heed that no one deceives you. So that's the first thing, uh, and that requires diligence. You, you can't approach uh, this passage. You can't approach prophecy. You can't approach current events and the circumstances in the world today uh, with a casual um, examination at all. Uh, you've got to be diligent about uh, what you're studying, because there's very strong possibilities of deception. I, I mean, the internet itself is, is just full of garbage. Uh, yeah, and I think we all know that to a degree, but, you know, certain of us uh, who Have a heart that's quickly and easily swayed by certain topics uh, can very easily get caught up in things that draw us a direction that perhaps we should not go. So it it requires us to be serious students. Now, having been a teacher, having run a school, uh, having helped people who've been through various stages of learning, the best students ask a lot of questions the best students seek a lot of help it isn't that they are especially wise and capable it's it's that they look for assistance in their understanding that's the wisest thing anyone can do Uh, when we approach any topic with the attitude as though we're the authority on it and we don't need anyone's help It's pretty plain to see my pride when I behave like that. When I will humble myself, when we will humble ourselves, ask, inquire. Ask people that you don't agree with their opinion. Ask others uh, who are very learned. Ask those uh, who present what seems silly at the time. Look, examine, and you'll come to understand the truth of what it is you're trying to study. So here... Uh, Take heed that no one deceive you. Verse three, for many will come in my name saying, I am he and will deceive many. Uh, You know, the the saviors, the messiahs that have come along the way, you know, many of us that have been around for years, uh, you know, have seen person after person rise in cultic fashion and and lead people astray you know one of my first experiences as a child with that was witnessing the nightly news and the horror that went on with Jim Jones and, and Ghana and all the people that followed him to their death you know later in my teen years to see David Koresh and we've seen them come and go and come and go false teachers that declare themselves the saviors of the world now for those of us that sort of shake our head and say yeah that's ridiculous uh, i think it exposes the fact that humanity is looking for a savior and if you look at some of the things that are going on in the world right now people are primed for the antichrist They are poised for someone to come with an answer. Right now, the COVID virus, uh, people are desperate for someone to step forward. And especially if they could step forward and present an answer to the illness, they could unify the world. Uh, provide answers for the economic crisis, if they could provide answers for military and wartime crisis that has been uh, on our scene for decades now, uh, that individual would be uh, very highly honored if they were uh, able to make that type of presentation. So the world is primed for an Antichrist, someone to come in and act as the savior of, of the world nation verse 13 will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places and there will be famines and troubles these are the beginning of sorrows but watch out for yourselves for they will deliver you up to the councils and you will be beaten in the synagogues you will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony to them so you know the the sort of uh, dual explanation there you've got these supernatural events of earthquakes and the famines and the beginning of sorrows and then the persecution that's going to come interesting to see the persecution uh rising today um the uh, mayor of new york expressing his disdain for samaritan's purse this week and uh, Franklin Graham had set a large field hospital up there in New York City to care for the sick. And immediately uh, the mayor wanted it removed and made very derogatory statements uh, because it was run by Christians. And they didn't allow uh, homosexuals to work for the organization. And he had all kinds of things to say about how he thought that they, as an organization, were going to treat certain people that might come in with illness and need care, you know, doesn't understand the love and the 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 charity, the the agape love that uh, those men and women have for their fellow human beings. It just has a hatred for Christianity and a persecution for them. Earthquakes and uh, war and famines and these things that are described. You know, here we are with the pestilence worldwide, coronavirus right now, uh, continuing war uh, since previous to 9-11, uh, but certainly the war on terror that's gone on all over the planet and uh, continues to rage on in uh, even the civilized world, we might say. Earthquakes, uh, its an interesting point for me uh, this week. Uh, I'm going to get to uh, the place where we talk about the last Trump Being blown, and how uh, the Lord will take us in the twinkling of an eye. But uh, an earthquake occurred on the 18th of last month in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, 5.7 on the Richter scale. And interesting to me, uh, there atop the Mormon temple. Uh, is a golden statue of the angel Moroni who, uh, you know, Joseph Smith made up the lie about how Moroni had brought him the Book of Mormon and the message of the Book of Mormon. And, you know, Moroni is there as a symbol in this golden statue with his trumpet in his hand, Uh, to, you know, sound the end and declare to the world. And in this 5.7 earthquake that occurred on the 18th of last month, his trumpet was knocked out of his hand. So now he's just standing there without his trumpet in his hand. The point for me, uh, you know, whether it's accurate or not, but for me, it's not Moroni that's sounding the trumpet for the world to pay attention to. It's Jesus Christ and uh, his heavenly father who are going to bring these things to pass uh, In verse 14 of Mark chapter 13, it begins to discuss the abomination of desolation. We'll talk about that more. Again, the Antichrist, spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Remember that I made that reference, because we're going to look at Daniel here in just a moment. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes but woe to those who are pregnant those who are nursing babes in those days pray that your flight may be not be in winter so this was uh, talking about the destruction of israel and interestingly enough uh the reason i read those verses this morning is uh the christians that were alive once rome came and invaded uh israel and sacked jerusalem to destroy it there in uh, 70 AD the Christians recalled this statement and uh, rather than mount any resistance rather than join uh, their fellow Jews in, in uh, hiding inside the temple and inside uh, the city of Jerusalem they fled they, they they left they crossed the Jordan and none of them perished no Christians died in uh, the invasion of uh, Jerusalem by the Romans because they remembered the words of Jesus and they they obeyed them now, there's something to be said about that uh, to pay attention to the words of Jesus and Obey them. Verse 24, but in those days after that tribulation, uh, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars of heaven will fall, the powers in heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds north south east and west from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven so much greater cataclysmic things lie ahead of us than what we're currently experiencing Uh, the discussion uh, of uh, you know global warming and uh, the people that want to insist that that's because uh, of man's effect and influence on the planet it's you know a foolish discussion that just seems to go on and on and they invent and create uh, new reasons to think along those lines uh, every single day Uh, and i do mean they invent and create uh, those things Uh, the fact of the matter is that the earth and creation is going to die it wasn't ever meant to be eternal. It was never designed by God to exist forever. Uh, get your Bible out. Read Revelation chapter 21. See there, the Lord creates a new heaven and a new earth. And, and the, you know the word that is used there for create is bara to create from nothing. You know the same bara that we see in Genesis, where there was nothing and God created everything is going to happen again. So all of this is going to be wiped out, trying to hang on to this. uh, We should be, again, the greatest conservationists on the planet as believers, Christians, children of God. We should care for the creation of our Father better than any. But to make this our final place, our heaven as it is, to try and dwell here forever, that's a foolish thought. Uh, This place is going to be destroyed and it will not exist for eternity. Um, Moving on from there, uh, learn the parable of the fig tree. Many of us know uh, this reflection of Israel when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves. You know that summer is near. There is a discussion about Israel within that, but the thing I just want to dwell on is the the straightforward understanding of branches and leaves, literally spring of the year. So here we are, uh, you know, the thaw has come, we've seen a couple, you know, straggling snowstorms, there's actually some snow predicted in the next week, I know you hate me for even uh, bringing that up, but Uh, We understand spring is near. You can see the trees starting to change color. You can see the thaw, you know, moving up inside the trees and the life is starting uh, to come. And when you start to see the buds and especially when they start to put forth the leaf and you can say, oh, you know, spring is then, you know, summer is immediately behind that. You're not some brilliant prognosticator to see you know leafing buds and say oh summer's not far away hey you're just someone who's you know of sound enough mind to recognize what's going on in your environment so it is here Uh, within this like i said i understand the discussion of israel but just simply learn this parable from the fig tree When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near at the doors. Dwell on that. Dwell on that. Rather than being one of these people that defames the message of the Bible, defames the message of the church, defames the message in your very mouth you know, saying, oh, this is it, Jesus Christ is returning, you know, sell everything you have, be prepared. Uh, You can say with an absolute authority, no questions asked, it is near, and it is at the door. You know, it's that close to us that we can see, know, and experience what's going on. We may have another decade, we may have more time than that to continue to share the message of jesus christ and my suspicion is we might because our heavenly father is that gracious things may get much worse for us especially as christians the persecution may grow dramatically for us in the coming years but god wants people to come to know him wants them to escape an eternity of separation from him and we're those messengers so think about how you might preserve uh, that message and bring it to people. Heaven and earth will pass away, as I said, but my words will by no means pass away. The surety of the word is something you really want to dwell on. And then here is the punchline of where I wanted to formulate things from. But Of that day and hour, verse 32 says, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And now, I want to point out something within the midst of that verse. The term angel means messenger. And interestingly enough, when Jesus addresses the letters to the seven churches... And he says to the angel of the church at each one of the churches that he lists there, Smyrna and Sardis and you know, Pergamos and all of the, the, the uh, churches that are addressed in the seven letters to the churches. To the angel of that church is the pastor of that church. Uh, the term angel and pastor... Uh, come from that same root word. They are that same word, which means messenger. Now, now, don't. I'm not trying to make any thing about pastors or being angels or anything of that nature. We know there's a distinction between those two things. Uh, the point I would want us to all grasp a hold of is we are all messengers. The angels deliver the message of Christ to us. They they work to deliver the message and the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. You know, you think about Daniel uh, that I'm going to reference here in just a moment, uh, who's inquiring of the Lord, and and there Gabriel brings him the message uh, that the Lord wanted him to receive, the delivery of the message. We don't want to do anything to tarnish the message that we have. We have the same message as angels. We have the same message as Jesus Christ. We have the same message as one another. Uh, you know, the fact that here we're being told no one knows the hour nor the day. Ah, but what he just said about the branch, the idea there is you can know the season. You can know the season. Look around, Christian. Look at the church. Look at the world. Look at the conditions that we're currently dealing with and understand the season of time that you were in. Right. This is you know, right now in, in the physical world, the season that we are in, it's time to pack up the winter clothes. You know, we might get a couple more snowstorms, as I said, uh, but winter's over. We're headed into spring. Right. Right now in Maine, what do we need? Mud boots. Right? We you know get the rake out, clean the yard. You know, do some things that are associated with springtime. It's not time to be preparing for a different season. It's time to be preparing for the spring and the summer that is coming. You know, the life that it's going to produce. We can't know the hour nor the day, but we certainly are accurate in our understanding of the season. You know, this statement in verse 32 isn't throw your hands up in the air and act like, oh, nobody can know the hour nor the day, so why even bother? That's not what's being said at all. Uh, This is the season. This is the time. How far away is it? We don't know. It's time to be ready. It's time to live in that constant state of preparation for what Jesus Christ has ahead of us. So look at verse 32 again. But of the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed. Watch and pray. Pray for you do not know when the time is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch you you hearing this watch watch be ready be ready and watch constant theme here watch therefore for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or even in the morning, lest coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch, right? here, You get that uh, colon and then watch and then exclamation point. The Lord wants to get that message across to us. Be watchful, watchful people certainly don't want to fall into that place where you're thinking and acting like oh they've been saying this forever this is the same oh we're just the latest wave no this is the season this is the hour to be watchful to be ready and if the lord extends the period of time and we get more opportunity to preach the gospel and see souls saved then capitalize on that use these circumstances to preach to people and draw them into the kingdom now Focusing on prophecy uh, for just a minute, I want to remind us all uh, of what Isaiah chapter 41 has to say as the Lord is challenging the false gods, right? Certainly, it's interesting to me that uh, we are in a place as a nation where the false gods of this nation are being challenged. And uh, I have... You know, the members of our little fellowship are perfectly aware of how much I have been saying this for many, many years in regard to money in particular being the God of this nation. And on top of that, you know, I've mocked American Idol and, you know, the way that our nation looks up to these athletes that we, you know, spend a gajillion dollars on. All these foolish things that Americans idolize, right? I mean, I enjoy a football game as much as the next person. You know, I I need and want my paycheck the same way as someone else. I'm talking about the fact that so much of America... You know, looks over at a place like India and thinks, oh, well, how foolish that they have those idols and those false gods. When we have the same degree of idolatry in our culture, it's just we don't build an actual shrine and a statue that we bow down to. We serve money, we serve fame, we serve popularity to the same degree. Those people serve their statue and their idol. And the whole issue of social networking, which you know I appreciate the fact that this has become a communication tool but but the very fact that Facebook and all of these other locations are, are so popular for the reason of making yourself an idol uh, to whatever degree you can you know there's a a huge problem amongst the youth in America right now per the fact that they create a false persona online and then when people find out that they're just an ordinary person you know and 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 I want to be very clear you're not a loser right it's just that you're ordinary Ordinary isn't bad. Everyone's ordinary once you get to know them. When we create a false identity, what I, you know, what I might be trying to do if I were to do that is, you know, m- make myself look more glamorous than I really am. You know, very few people are, you know, sticking the camera on themselves, you know, when they first wake up and their face is just obliterated and they look horrendous and they're staggering around the house with their bathrobe, you know, untied, trying to get a coffee into them so they can get ready for the day. Everybody is you know, making all of their uh, persona look as beautiful, doctoring their photographs, you know, pursing their lips, you know, so that they would look different than they actually are, you know, bearing out the fact that we are an idolatrous people. Here in Isaiah chapter 41, at verse 21, it says, Present your case, says the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons, says the king of Jacob. Let them, speaking of the idols, bring forth and show us what will happen. Let them show the former things, what they were, the former things, what they were. Excellent point. Yes, this is a statement about prophecy. Let let these idols declare to us something that's going to take ca- place in the future so that we could fear and respect them because they've got this supernatural wisdom. But he even goes as far as to say, let them tell us about the things that have taken place. You know, And I have strong arguments and discussions about the way this society and culture listens to the lies about evolution. And the way they look at the things that are being said about the past, people that don't have any idea what they're talking about. You know, they're looking right at, you know, archaeology and denying the evidence that's pointing right in their face. They're looking right at anthropology and they are denying the evidence that's pointing in their face. They are looking right at psychology and denying the evidence that's pointing in their face. They they can't even tell us about the past accurately. Why would we trust them to tell us about the future accurately? I mean, think about the fact that they can't even present to us daily what's going on in the world around us on the news accurately. They can't even tell us about five minutes ago accurately. Why would we think they'd be able to tell us about 5,000 years ago or 5 million or 5 billion years ago accurately? you want to honor these people that uh, you know elevate themselves through education as though we need to fear them go ahead and tell us about the past accurately and they make predictions about the future we keep going this way this is what's going to happen and it doesn't happen right Al Gore's unfortunate truth He makes these predictions and they fail and nobody's upset like they should be screaming bloody murder at this point because everything that he said was false yet no one wants to notice these things so here God says let them bring forth and show us what will happen let them show the former things what they were that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare to us things to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter that we may know that you are God's. Yes, do good or do evil that we may be dismayed and see it together. God is challenging the false gods, the false belief systems of Israel and saying, if this is what we should rely upon, if this is what you want us to look at, then you're going to need to show us the future. And then God backs it up by showing us the future. Right there in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 41, he's predicting things that no one could have known. Uh, Throughout the scripture, he's doing that. And I said we would get to Daniel, and most of you know where I'm going to head. I want to talk about Palm Sunday in light of prophecy. I know I'm just going like a machine gun breakneck pace here, but I want to deliver as much information as I can. So Daniel chapter nine, verse 25, as we said, Daniel was inside Babylon, the nation of Israel delivered by God out of Egypt, established as a nation, had rebelled against the Lord, continuously fallen into idolatry. God had sent warning and punishment and correction for all of those years, hundreds of years. And they did not honor the Lord the way that they were supposed to. They kept going after false gods and falling into sin till the Lord finally said that's enough. And he captured them with the Assyrians first, but later the Babylonians, and he took the entire nation into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. Daniel was a young man When he was taken captive and now he's an old man and he's inside Babylon and he's reading the writings of the prophet Jeremiah and he comes across the passage in Jeremiah chapter 25 where the Lord says that they would be in captivity for 70 years. So here's the prophet Daniel reading the writings of a prophet who predicted the future and said they would only be captives for 70 years. So he begins to pray and fast and ask the Lord if they're nearing the end of the 70 years and if this is in fact the correct understanding of what he's reading there in the book of Jeremiah. Sound familiar to what we're talking about this morning? As we're reading the writings of John Mark in the book of Mark, understanding what it is that Jesus is saying, looking at the world around us and saying, does this line up? Peter and uh, John Mark recorded those for us so that we could examine God's word and pray and fast and come to know the things the Lord wanted to say to us. Daniel wants to know the things of the future for the nation of Israel. 21 days later, the angel arrives and delivers the message to Daniel. In the midst of that uh, prophecy that is given to Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 verse 25 this verse is recorded know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the prince there shall be seven weeks 62 weeks the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times now at that point Jerusalem was completely desolate it had been destroyed by the Babylonians it had been burned with fire and now it has sat for nearly 70 years just being overgrown by the bramble and all of the wildlife that has taken up residence inside that ancient abandoned haunt that was once a great city so the idea that it's going to be rebuilt is impossible uh, later when we see Ezra and Nehemiah and, and then uh, you know, the rebuilding of the temple and the wall, uh, they are dismayed when they arrive there and they see how destroyed the place is. So the fact that this is saying that there's going to come an order to restore and rebuild the temple is a miracle within itself. And then this statement that from the going forth of command to restore and rebuild the uh, Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. That's what I want to examine, hopefully as quickly as I can. I know many of you have heard me go through this many times, but it puts an accuracy of understanding of prophecy and a trustworthiness in, to prophecy that i think is very necessary palm sunday the coming of the messiah the prince spoken of right there in daniel chapter 9 uh, verse 25 predicted by uh, this angel that delivered this message to daniel delivered to us so if we break down daniel chapter 9 verse 25 the hebrew word weeks here isn't actually weeks it's simply seven so It carries the idea of a seven-year period of time. It's not a week. It's a week of years is what's being said. So Daniel prophesied that the Messiah would arrive in Jerusalem 173,880 days after the order to rebuild was issued. So this is how we look at it. 69 weeks... Equals 483 years, 69 times 7. 483 times 360, uh, the Jewish year of that time was calculated according to the lunar calendar, 360 days. That equals 173,880 days. Undeniably, all of the scholars who have broken this down understand that that is very specifically the number of days that's being referred to 173,880 days specifically the actual date of the decree to restore and rebuild the temple was given by king arctic xerxes on march 14th 445 bc we know that from nehemiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 6 with an absolute certainty uh, history and church documents show that jesus entered jerusalem on april 6 32 a.d which was predicted by Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9 and other that prove the date there if daniel was correct then 173,880 days would have passed from March 14th, 445 B.C. to April six, thirty-two 32 A.D. We're celebrating Palm Sunday, that April six, thirty-two 32 A.D. when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Now it's time to do some math. So from March 14th, 445 B.C. to April six, thirty-two 32 A.D. would seem to be 477 years and 24 days. However, you have to deduct one year as there is only one year between 1 BC and 1 AD. So you lose that. This means that there have uh, 476 years and 24 days, is what we're talking about. So now we take 476. Times 365, the Julian calendar that we now use, and we come up with 173,740 days. Add the 24 days, and we have 173,764 days. Now, the problem partially has to do with the peculiarities in the Julian calendar, such as leap year. So we find that there were, in fact, 119 leap years 476 divided by 4, you get 119. Thus, you have to add 119 to 173,764. You get 173,883 days. So at that point a whole bunch of people just say, well, close enough. 173,883 days. You know, the Bible predicted 173,880 days. You know, who's who's going to divide hairs over 3 simple days when you're that close. God is. God is the one who claims his word to be god breathed to be perfect and without flaw so there are some things to examine three days too many you look at some situations within this one year uh, is calculated in the rotation around the sun inaccurately by us when we add the leap year and we give that extra day to the month as we have to February, as we have this year, Uh, every 128th year, we have to skip one because uh, we say 365 and a quarter, uh, 365 and a quarter and 1 128th of a day. So we're actually calculating too much. We have to take one, hundred tw- one, uh, one 128th of a day off from that calculation. But you only do that uh, every 128 years. So if if you take this 483 and divide by 128, you come up with three days. Literally... The Julian calendar has 3 days too many in it because it doesn't calculate the rotation of the sun or the uh the earth around the sun accurately. We have to subtract those 3 days, which brings you to 173,880 days. So again, the order to restore and build the temple, March 14th, 445 BC, 173,880 days later perfectly to the day april 6 32 a.d palm sunday we're celebrating it today as the world is going through all of these prophetic times of season changes we're celebrating the accuracy of fulfilled prophecy regarding jesus coming think about that we're celebrating the scripture's accuracy regarding jesus coming We're about to enter this week ahead of us, which is the celebration of Passover, the coming of the Messiah to provide salvation. The nation of Israel in their homes in the book of Exodus waiting for the deliverance at the hand of Moses to take them out of the captivity. What are we waiting for? Jesus Christ to come and deliver us from this earth, to take us into his presence. We're down to about 10 minutes. I want to discuss some things that are going on. You're going to have to take notes and do your homework over this week, and we'll look at some things uh, next week as we talk about Resurrection Sunday. Right now, Saudi Arabia and Russia are engaged in a massive conflict, particularly over the oil that has been discovered in the Golan Heights that previously belonged to Syria it was taken away from Syria because they just kept using it as a launching point to attack and terrorize the nation of Israel so Israel just finally uh, pushed them back in their border and kept the golden heights for themselves Russia is allied with uh, Syria and currently in a financial war with Saudi Arabia over the price of oil per barrel, because what they want to do is come in, invade Israel, and take the Golan Heights so that they can help uh, Syria to start uh, uh, extracting the oil and making themselves rich in the process. All of that conflict, which is, you know, we're all focused on the COVID virus And the Middle East is freaking out right now about the fact that there is a giant conflict between Saudi Arabia and Russia boiling over with Israel in threat now. Make note to yourself to go read Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 and everything you can uh, surrounding the prophecies regarding the invasion by Russia from the north down into Israel and how God destroys those armies. This is the season of time that we are in presently. Uh, You might want to look up what is referred to as ID2020, digital marking of every human being on the planet. It's something that's been cooking for uh, a while now, years now, where they want to give everyone a mark in order uh, for them to to use as currency. There are huge discussions about doing it right now because uh, in the coming days, you're gonna begin to hear about uh, how money itself, paper money and otherwise, is transferring the COVID virus. Everyone's concerned uh, about what they're now literally referring to as dirty money. Uh, CNN actually published an article using the phrase from uh, both Peter and Titus referring to money as filthy lucre and how uh, the COVID virus uh, may be being spread by the exchange of currency. And there's discussions right now of doing away with all hard currency and moving completely to electronic funds transfer and uh, giving people this uh, universal ID, which interestingly enough uh, is being spearheaded by uh, the founder of uh, Microsoft, Bill Gates, and his wife. They're the ones that are pushing at this agenda uh, more than anyone else. Uh, I would ask you to turn, I'm running out of time, to Revelation chapter 13, and just look at a couple of verses here. Uh, You can drop right down to uh, verse 16. Uh, When it says he, it's referring to the Antichrist, the one world leader, Uh, that is going uh, to demand everyone to worship Him. It says in uh, Revelation 13, verse 16, "...He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name." And uh, here is wisdom, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And uh, we've had some wild speculations uh, over the years about uh, who the Antichrist was uh, you know Henry Kissinger um, years ago uh, people were saying it was definitely him later it was Ronald Reagan because uh, each one of his names uh, you know first middle and last name all contained six letters we've seen many many uh, speculations come and go I can tell you this right now it's impossible to calculate who that is what will happen is when this mark is issued uh, it will be something that you will be able to to discern and understand at that point. Uh, Jesus Christ himself declares it to be so right there in those three verses. Now, with that, there's a, a movement in Christianity because they're talking about this new potential <clears throat> um, uh, treatment for uh, the COVID virus and and how if they come up with this vaccine, that uh, in giving you the vaccine, they're actually going to give you the mark of the beast. Uh, The scripture is very clear that right here in in Revelation chapter 13, uh, you can go back in the chapter and read on your own. uh, Anyone who takes the mark of the beast is swearing allegiance to the beast and then worshiping him. So you don't have to worry about getting the vaccination. You don't have to worry about, you know if if or when they develop that, that somehow you're going to get tricked into taking the mark of the beast. Uh, all of these things are precursor uh, to what is coming. I want to just sort of wrap things up here in the final minutes that I have by taking us uh, to uh, three locations. Um, well, three, yeah. as i look at my list there's just a half a dozen that i want to go through but let's let's keep it simple and let's go to uh second timothy chapter one and remember what uh uh, you know the lord uh, said uh, to us in in an encouraging way when he said in second timothy chapter one at verse seven for god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind so as some of these things may make you fearful i would say settle into the peacefulness of jesus christ take your eyes off the television you know this for many people is a week of fasting and one of the things uh, i would recommend that you um, perhaps fast from is the bad news you know, we are ministers of the good news, the gospel. Concentrate on the word of God. Concentrate on being a person of prayer and study uh, this week. Abandon all of the lies and the information and the confusion and the fear that's being generated uh, in the public sector and in you know, the uh, national and international news agencies. Focus on the good news and abandon the bad news for a week. I think that you'll see a difference in your heart and mind and life. First Corinthians uh, chapter 2, look at verse 9. <coughs> it says, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. That verse is so often presented like, yeah, you know, revelation, all of these different things. Who can know? You can't possibly understand. I want you to read this again with me. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. As it is written, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them, verse 10 says, to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Even this week, um, well, I I even did it, um, sent a text message to a friend referring to the apocalypse. Uh, We have begun to use that word Uh, to mean in its definition the horrifying terror-filled wrath-filled end of all things the apocalypse right the term actually means the revealing it it means uh, that there was something held as a surprise and now it's been opened up and delivered to us so that we could know Uh, the book of Revelation literally listen to the title of the book the revealing the revelation uh, you mention that in public and people go oh yeah they shudder at the thought you know jesus at the very beginning of the book is telling us blessed is anyone who reads this book and blessed is anyone who listens to this book fear in contrast <coughs> doesn't come from the lord the apocalypse that's the revealing of jesus christ that, that's the great and glorious conclusion of his astounding plan for all things. The apocalypse is not something to fear, right? Uh, I read from Mark uh, this morning where we started. <coughs> Jesus refers to it as the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of birth pains is how it's referred to elsewhere. Yeah, I, one of the greatest joys of my life, my children and my grandchildren. Uh, We have a new arrival in our family, Uh, Benjamin uh, came just a couple weeks ago and uh, had to see my daughter go through the process of the pain of labor and I I didn't ever want to see my loved ones go through that, but what it produces, oh yeah, I definitely want that. I definitely want to experience the wondrous joy that comes. I want the revealing of the child. I want the apocalypse of the child to come at the end. We want Jesus' plan fulfilled. We want his kingdom to come. We want his millennial reign. So creation has to go through the pains, has to go through the difficulty. I I said I was only going to do a couple more verses and I just can't resist Uh, so many of these Uh, some people say okay the pain the fear the worry uh, we're going to go through the tribulation Uh, i would ask you to turn over with me to first thessalonians chapter 5 and look at verse 9 referring to the church paul said for god did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our lord jesus christ the seven years of tribulation is referred to throughout the scripture as the, capital T, wrath, capital W, of God. The wrath, the definite article where he's pouring out his anger upon a world that has rejected him. We have not been appointed to that wrath, but unto salvation. We're looking forward to the salvation that he is going to apply to us. So uh, turn over to... um, excuse me um uh, just back one chapter into chapter four first thessalonians chapter four and I'll, I'll close uh with this in verse 13 uh it says but i do not want you to be ignorant brethren before i move on uh there's something important about the word ignorant uh, the the root word is ignore As believers, we don't want to be people who have ignored uh, what the Spirit has revealed to us, what the Lord has given us in wisdom and understanding. So don't be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have died, literally fallen asleep as it's described here. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. But if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which is the season we're celebrating right now, even so God will bring with him those who sleep, who have passed away in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I know I'm already over in time, but I really want you to to just grasp this last couple of things from these verses and hang on to them. You know, there's a big discussion in the church regarding uh, the rapture of the church. Uh, I've had discussions where people are very angry, saying, you know, the word rapture isn't even in the Bible. And uh, I point out to them, I, you know, if they're going to be that hostile, I get kind of mocking and say, right, and the word Bible is not in the Bible either. And yet we use it as Christians. We use the book and we refer to it as such. And the word that we translate rapture, you know, this uh, snatching away that's uh, referred to here in uh, verse uh, 16, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 17, caught up together, harpazo was the word. It was later translated into the word raptus and then into English became the word rapture. So the word is here. It's just not written into this passage in this way. The idea is a sudden snatching with violent force to remove something. You know, we shall be harpazoed, snatched out, ripped out all at once, caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So as the wrath of God, as all these cataclysmic things are coming upon the earth, the Lord is going to snatch his bride out of that problem, and we're going to be with him for eternity from that point forward. And then that last verse we've already read, therefore comfort one another with these words. You read The book of revelation and there's just so much in that that's so potent and then when john finishes the book he uses that word maranatha which means even all of this taking place even though these horrible things are going on come quickly is what maranatha means you might want to start saying that to yourself you might want to start saying that to one another maybe you don't want to say maranatha maybe you want to consider saying come quickly lord I pray the Lord does come quickly and I pray that until then we're very attentive children who listen to the voice of our father and that we invite others to be adopted into our family that they would spend eternity with us in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray and close. Father we are so grateful. For the time you've given us i thank you for the patience of my brothers and sisters as i've gone long this morning and i ask that it would help them to draw close to you abandon the fear embrace the courage and the strength of waiting for your arrival help us to be attentive people serious students of your word who see the things that were fulfilled in the scripture that give us the assurance that the rest of these things will be fulfilled Help us to focus on you and to leave behind the negativity and the bad news of the world. That our hearts would be lifted into the good news and the message of your coming kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.